Hello and thanks for tuning in to this episode of the ALT Learn Podcast. I'm John Tate and I'll be your host as we break down the craft of teaching and the science of learning, what this pedagogy looks like in the classroom, and get to find out how our teachers are turning all this theory into practice. So, let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome to episode 12 of the ALT Learn Podcast, where we've got another great episode lined up for you today, discussing how we can use low stakes quizzing effectively for formative assessment, but also understand the need to raise the stakes when it comes to summative assessments. So I'm pleased to say that alongside me on today's show, we have Andrew Stacey Chapman, Head of History and Humanities at North Allerton School. And warm wel- a warm welcome to the podcast, Andrew, and thank you for sitting down with me to talk teaching learning this afternoon. Thank you, John. So... Before we talk about uh, the stakes associated with assessment, I wonder if we could start with talking about kind of assessment and how it's not just a tool to assess how much learning has taken place, but if used correctly, it's also a learning tool in itself. So how do you use assessment in the classroom as a learning tool? And also, how do you ensure that it's not just a case of continuing to wear the pig in the hope that it will get fatter? So I think that the key thing here is the difference between um, assessment and quizzing or testing. Um, So quite often when we say words like quizzing or testing, we assume that it means the same as assessment, but actually they can mean slightly different things. So we know that one of the most effective ways of learning information, meaning to remember it in the long term, is repeatedly testing or quizzing ourselves on it at spaced intervals. So Mm -hmm. famously, it's the reason why most of us can remember our childhood phone numbers, but Mm -hmm. we can't necessarily remember everything that we did yesterday. Um, So in the classroom, teachers can use that um, as a really powerful tool to quiz or to test students on the same information kind of at spaced intervals um, to help them to remember it in the long term. And so when teachers use those kind of quizzing methods, Mm -hmm. their aim isn't actually to find out what students know or what students can do. It's to reinforce learning of a kind of key concept or key information. So when teachers are doing that, that's really being used as a form of pedagogy rather than as a form of assessment. That's really interesting, that, because actually, thinking back to when I started teaching, you know, it would have been ridiculous of me to think that I was actually doing tests and quizzes for actually a different reason than actually you know getting their answers and putting them down on paper it was all about the scores that they got etc etc but I suppose what you're saying and what we now know is that it the the act of actually doing the, you know the, the recall and the, and the quizzing is the learning in itself isn't it it doesn't really make any difference whether someone gets seven or eight it's the fact that they've had to retrieve that information and that's the power in it isn't it yeah and I think what one of the keys as well is that that takes some time for us as teachers to get our heads around, but mm-hmm. it also takes time for students to get their heads around. So even when you've really lowered the stakes, and we'll talk about how we might do that in a minute, but even once the, sk- the stakes have been really lowered, students still, it takes a bit of time to kind of get them out of the habit of being desperate to know, was that right or was that mm-hmm. wrong? Or how many did I get out of 10? Or comparing it to their mate that sat next to them. Um, and so get, if you can get the students to the point where they can see this as a really valuable teaching tool, that's also, I think, really important. And I imagine as well, it's, not, it, it's, it's, so it's selling the why to the students, but potentially as well to the parents. You know, because actually if the students want to know, the parents are probably asking, and it might be that the students want to know because the parents have wanted to know to start with. So it's, 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 it's a wider process, isn't it, of actually you know, selling it to everybody and, and all the stakeholders involved. Yeah, and once, um, once you can do that, because if you can really sell it to parents and to students, that's so valuable because it means once students are preparing for kind of external exams and we can't do all the learning they need to do through low stakes tests in classrooms um, basically it it provides a model for students and for parents about how they can then take that away and essentially do it for themselves or do it with their parents uh, at home 
and, and that, that's I really like that because actually it's about how we're then building those independent learning skills isn't it and if they can if they can see the reason behind doing it and the science behind it then if they can be doing some of that low stakes quizzing or you know even I always say as well if you can just reframe some of the questions we ask at home and in anyone with kids generally what people say at home is oh, you, know, you know what have you, you know, what have you done today and you get this kind of answer of oh well pff, like a bit of stuff or I've done PE I've done English done, and just change one word and say what have you learnt today it's a recall question immediately. They have to recall what they've actually learned. And, you know, the same amount of time is spended on something that's actually going to be a really useful question by just changing that one word. So I really like that. Um, you, you mentioned there, you know, quite a few times you, you started going into the kind of, you know, the low stakes and, and kind of lowering the stakes. So for, for people that kind of maybe aren't aware or kind of thinking, well, what does it really, really mean and, and how do we do that? So what do we mean by kind of when, when you say lowering the stakes when it comes to formative assessment and why is it really important? So what we mean really is finding ways for students to feel like they've got nothing to lose by really having a go, by mm -hmm. really trying, um, but that they've got quite a lot to gain from it. Um, so the whole point of formative assessment really is that students learn something from it and yeah. they can do better in the future of whatever it is in whatever subject you're trying to do. But far too often that formative assessment can be ruined by students feeling like they've got too much to lose if they try or they're seen to be trying and then they don't achieve as well as they want. Yeah. Um, and so there's some sometimes there's kind of concrete things they could lose because they might realise that an assessment is quite important and it might have kind of concrete effects. Um, but even in the classrooms, when we as teachers might think an assessment is fairly low stakes, um, students can see that they might lose face with their teacher, mm -hmm. um, that if their teacher's going to kind of really assess something through some quite hard marking, um, they might lose face with their peers mm -hmm. if everybody thinks that they've tried really hard and then they've not done very well, um, and just and even themselves that they they feel like if they put the effort in, then that kind of starts to raise the stakes for themselves. Yeah. That not just other people, but they might then feel disappointed if they haven't got it. Mm -hmm. And far too often, if the stakes are too high all the time, we see students who respond by then just not trying yeah. because that's the easiest way of lowering the stakes themselves. Is it's just an easy out to say, I didn't try, so I don't care. Exactly, I didn't try because therefore it, that's the reason I failed. Yeah. It's not that I tried and I couldn't do it. I yeah. just never bothered because I don't like history. Or, yeah. or I and we can, as adults, we, we know we've done that ourselves. You know, it's probably ourselves, you know, we're probably thinking, you know, I remember I've done that or even, you know, playing a sport or, well, oh, well, we, we packed in in the second half, so it wasn't really a true reflection of, you know, so it is, it's an easy out there, isn't it? Yeah, totally. And when it, certainly as adults, whenever we try something new, if you take kind of a group of people who out of context and they go, you know, they go bowling or something and they don't normally do it, then there's always kind of the, the bit beforehand where people start to play the expectations game and they, and they make it clear that they don't do this very often <laughs> or for some reason yeah. they're not expecting themselves to do very well because it helps them to feel better about themselves. Definitely. Do you, do you see that in, in more in, in boys or girls or is it a mixture or different year groups or is it, is it, is it just ultimately knowing your class or is it, are you seeing anything come through in terms of, in terms of gender or, or disadvantage or anything? Um, I don't think there's any kind of overall trends. I think there's, um, there's a there's a kind of stereotype that boys probably do that more, that they, they feel like they've got um, more face to lose. But I think it is all to do with dynamics within a yeah. class and within the kind of friendship groups you might have within a class, and that can be girls or boys, and it can be from kind of any demographic, really. Um, and in terms of like losing face with teachers, I think that's to do with kind of relationships between teachers yeah. and students. And, and it, it's not always um, that kind of teachers with sort of better relationships avoid that because actually it can almost be the opposite that mm -hmm. the teachers that 
students really want to try for and really want to do well for, mm -hmm. they can actually, that can kind of raise the stakes for the student. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that they, they don't want to disappoint that teacher that they really like. Um, yeah, no, interesting. So, we, so we, we, we've covered there kind of why it's important and, and what it kind of means. So for people listening then, how do we do it then? You know, what, what are the practical ways that, that, that you've done it or you've seen in your department, you've seen across the school, you've read about, what are the best and practical ways that we can lower stakes in assessment to make sure that we don't get that kind of, um, you know, that, that, that barrier really? I think whatever methods we use, it's all about um, kind of taking away those reasons why students might lose face with themselves or with other people or with their teacher. So, um, and, and however we do it, it's then making sure that the students know that the stakes are low. There's no point doing it if the students don't recognise that the stakes are low in that assessment. Um, so I think it, it depends slightly on what kind of task you're doing, but if you're talking about kind of quizzing for sort of short answer, kind of fairly simple knowledge-based stuff, um, one way that I've done it in the past when I'm kind of introducing it to a class is that they answer the questions on a little scrap of paper um, mm -hmm. that I've given them on the way into the room and they write one to ten. Um, they write the answers down and then we go through the answers and then I literally walk around the classroom kind of very obviously and very deliberately picking up the scraps of paper without reading the answers, screwing them up and putting them in the bin as yeah. I go. So the student can, can see mm -hmm. that I'm not marking it, they're mm -hmm. not comparing their marks across the classroom um, I'm not going to take it home and use it for the next yeah. data drop or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, so they can see that it's going straight in the bin. Um, and as a kind of as an introduction to what a low stakes test is for, I think that can be really useful um, and really easy. And really easy, yeah. And, and as a as a kind of very low prep start. Everything you've said there the is, is everyone can do that tomorrow if they wanted yeah, to. You know, absolutely. very easy as long as you've got a bit of scrap paper. Um, and that, I think that visual is really important, isn't it? Yeah. And when when I've done it before, I tend to kind of get a. A particular colour of paper um, so that if I stand there with a little green square of paper with the class they yeah. know what's about to happen they get into the routine so it's routines and habits as well yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but there's other ways you can do it if you've got mini whiteboards you can do, you can do a really simple low stakes quiz and we'll talk a bit more about this in a minute but kind of where they answer the questions and then they just rub the answers off themselves mm -hmm. um, yeah. and they can see that nobody's yeah. kind of um, again they're in that. control of it aren't they yeah yeah um, but then for for things that are a bit longer because you know not all subjects work with just like really short answer things all the time um, you could do it just with kind of exercise books where um, there's a section of the exercise book that isn't going to be marked so they mm -hmm. might know that if they do work at the back of their book they know the teacher isn't basically isn't yeah. even going to read that so that section of the book is just for them it's not for anybody else um, and the key then is just making sure that that kind of trust that you've built up that it's not going to happen is, is mm -hmm. kind of maintained. Fantastic. They all sound real easy, really practical, and things that I said a minute ago everyone could do tomorrow, but like with anything in teaching, it's all about the implementation, isn't it? And it's all about the fact that it's how you do it. Um, you know. That, that, so what things could go wrong or what things have you seen that can go wrong with some of those things that people can maybe steer clear of or avoid some of those kind of pitfalls? I think that's really important because there's, there's some kind of well-intentioned well things that teachers do on just habits that teachers have ingrained mm -hmm. um, that actually can, can raise the stakes in yeah. some of those things we just talked about. So one um, that... Our, our kind of habit, if we give students 10 questions and then they've answered them and they've all had to go at them, our habit is to go around the room asking students for what, like for the answers as a, way, as a method of going through the answers. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's probably more powerful for the teachers to go through the answers themselves, partly because it means it, it's really clear and mm -hmm. the students aren't potentially hearing lots of wrong answers. But in terms of raising the stakes, what that does is if you're a student that's got that wrong, 
they're, they're very comfortable with the idea that their teacher knows the answer to that question. Mm -hmm. That doesn't raise the stakes for them because that's mm -hmm. fine, the teacher's supposed to know. Mm -hmm. But actually, if, if they hear uh, one of their peers on the other side of the room got that answer right, but they got it wrong, that automatically starts to, to kind of raise yeah. the stakes for them. Um, similarly with kind of mini whiteboards, um, that there's lots of there's lots of times when you would use mini whiteboards to kind of as an assessment tool, and you would want everybody to show you their answer at mm -hmm. a particular time. Um, but that also raises the stakes. So if you want it to be genuinely low stakes, then asking everybody to put their uh, whiteboard in the air, because what we know what will happen is people will start looking around the yeah. room, yeah. and and everyone can see their answers. Um, if if you've done a kind of 10-question test, then you know, even more raising the stakes is to kind of go through and asking people how many they've got, or yeah. can you put your hand up if you've got 10 out of 10, or which and it's it's lovely to celebrate success, mm -hmm. but actually what you're doing there is you're raising the stakes of that yeah, of yeah. that assessment slightly, um, or if you've if you've kind of told them that a piece of work isn't going to be marked or you're not going to look at the answers, then genuinely don't because yeah. as, as soon as you've told them that and then you kind of break a bit of a bit of trust theory. Um, now, any of those things, kind of getting students to show answers on a whiteboard or taking in scores from a test, th there's plenty of times when that would be a really important assessment tool. Mm -hmm. But I think if, if what you're trying to do is do a low-stakes test, then it, you have to kind of sometimes work commit against your instincts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and really commit and think, how can I make sure this is uh, those stakes here are as low as possible? Because yeah. if you do that a few times in a row, until the point where students have, you know, they can remember it because mm -hmm. it does work. So it will mm -hmm. work over time. Um, and if all you do is kind of check effort, because it's it's really possible to check that everybody's written down ten answers yeah. without reading what they are. Mm -hmm. it's kind of hold them to account for their effort, but no accountability for where they've got them right. And students will kind of feel a bit more confident to, mm -hmm. to try, and they don't feel like they've got anything to lose. Brilliant, and I, and I love that. I, lo I love the, the 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 ways that you kind of talked about there and the pitfalls, because I think that that's why. Personally, I absolutely love the craft of teaching and, 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 and kind of unpicking it and unpicking the layers because actually, you know, as a trainee teacher or, or, or somebody outside of education, doing a 10-question doing a, a quiz sounds simple and yeah. sounds easy. But actually, the devil's in the detail and actually talking about how you, you know, even you going through the answers rather than them or scrunching the paper up and putting it in the bin and, you know, not asking to, not asking things to be shown or other students going through answers because it then raises the thing. All those little intricate details is, is, is why, you know, we love kind of teaching and, 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 and how it, you can always be better at, at, a, at what, on the face of it, looks like a simple teaching task. Let's, get, let's, do a, let's do a little quiz. But there's so many ways that we can do that a little bit better and hopefully everyone listening will have picked up at least one or two things there that they think, oh, yeah, they may have done it before, and they may just might remind them again that they need to make sure they do that. And it might have been a light bulb moment for a few people in terms of things that they are doing, unintentionally raising the stakes by asking some students to go through the answers or asking for you know, how many did they get or flipping the whiteboards around, all that type of stuff. So there's always ways we can do things better. And I think that's why I like speaking to, to practitioners about this, about kind of you know exactly what's happening on the ground because there's the, you know, the devil really is in the detail of how we do these things. So. We've covered low stakes uh, quizzing there and, and the kind of the, the need to make it low stakes, but you started referring towards the end of that last answer there about kind of if you want to raise the stakes. And we hear lots and lots and lots at the moment in general classroom pedagogy about low stakes quizzing, low stakes testing, and make it low stakes. That's great to a certain extent, and I think that's where you were kind of going next is why then would we need, why and when would we need to kind of you know, raise the stakes? You know, why is it important to do that? I think ultimately, students are going to have to set assessments that aren't low stakes mm. so ultimately they're going to have high stakes assessments in school yeah um you know the highest being they're going to have to sit 
mm-hmm. GCC exams or level three qualifications. Um, and so because they're going to have to do that, both in school and actually beyond school, because mm-hmm. it's not just all about exams, they're going to face higher stakes situations in their lives. Yeah, driving they, tests and yeah, yeah, interviews yeah. and all yeah. those things. And so we don't actually, um, as well as it being about kind of getting students to, to know things and know more and remember more and be able to do more things, we've also got a responsibility to kind of prepare them for that kind of the, the emotions that come with something mm-hmm. that's high stakes or performance or, or whatever. Um, so we need to prepare them for that kind of emotional experience of knowing that what they're about to do really matters. Um, so I think probably a, as many assessments as possible, we want to be kind of really genuinely formative and low stakes. But particularly as you work through school towards the kind of the end of key stage three and key stage four, probably, um, we want students to, I, th- I think we're letting students down if we don't then um, give them some assessments that they know are higher stakes and that we can explain that to them. Um, and I think the key is that by the time they get to that, when we raise the stakes for them, um, their confidence has kind of been built up because they've done so many of the kind of low stakes versions of mm-hmm. it or low mm-hmm. stakes um, kind of building blocks of what that higher yep. stakes assessment might be that they actually they know they're going to be able to perform mm-hmm. because when they get to those higher stakes assessments like GCSEs we all know there are those students who you know have spent so long with their history flashcards that they're kind of walking in with their head held fairly high that they know that they, they essentially know what they're going to be asked mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. they can um, have confidence about doing it and what we want to get to is the point where students have done so much of the low stakes bit where they've really tried and they've gradually seen over time mm-hmm. their performance improving even though nobody else has seen yep. it um, that then when we give them something higher stakes they have that confidence to perform mm-hmm. and, and is that, so is that then just a uh, my next question was going to be what practical ways can we do this is that just a case of building on the low stakes quizzing making sure that that's regular all the time building their confidence or is there any specific ways that you would kind of you know, utilize that in terms of raise when you when you decide to raise the stakes i think that's that's all about communications with the students mm-hmm. um, communication with them so you know if you if you are going to mark a piece of work then tell them that it's going to be marked yeah um so they they know exactly what is low yeah. stakes and what's slightly higher stakes um you know if they've got a, a trial exam that is going to be used to inform a predicted grade at mm-hmm, mm-hmm. GCSE or at A level, then tell them that that's what's going to happen. Um, now, I don't think that's. Uh, it's not about piling on kind of unnecessary pressure around trial exams, and, and you can easily see where that goes wrong, where mm-hmm. people kind of, you know, we as teachers can get really frustrated that students maybe aren't taking the trial exam seriously enough. So we kind of pile on this list of kind of mythical consequences that if they fail <laughs> a trial exam, aren't really going to happen. Yeah because um, that'll fall down straight away because they'll, they'll yeah. realise that that's not going to happen. Um, it's just about kind of telling them that it's important. Why is it important? Because this is going to inform what we do next and I want mm-hmm. you to have tried your best so this mm-hmm. really matters. Try, try your best at it. Um, so that when they walk into that exam, they just get a kind of sense of what a higher stakes assessment feels like. Um, and then I think the other key is sort of making the link for them between the low stakes assessments they've done and whatever the high stakes assessment looks like. So, mm-hmm. you know, in GCSE history, the, you know, the GCSE exam doesn't look like a 10 question quiz. Um, it looks very different from that, but making sure that students can see why, how the, the low stakes assessments they've done actually links yeah. to the higher stakes one. So they can kind of see that, that path that they're on and they can see how 
gradually doing better in the low stakes ones is going to help them towards the end in the high stakes ones. So I, I, ultimately, I suppose in a lot of it's like transparency, isn't it? And, yep. and being honest and open and honest, A, with the low stakes in terms of mm. I'm not going to take it in, I am going to throw it in the bin, yep. I'm not going to ask for your answers, yep. but actually when we decide to raise that, we're doing this because, yep. and this one will go towards this assessment or, you know, and maybe as not just putting that on, on the day, but actually the next assessment we do or next week, you know, this will be so they can start to rev themselves up and actually put the you know the right level of effort in. Yep. Because the last thing that we would want as adults as well as we do low stakes quizzing all the time, it always goes in the bin and then suddenly today, ha ah, it's a high stakes one a day. Yep. Oh, hang on, if I'd known that, yep. I might have done some study this week. Yeah. If it's gonna go towards an assessment for one of my qualifications, et cetera, et cetera. so it is, it's about, you know, the, the, the timing and the and the, uh, the transparency of that, so yeah. Um, Lastly then, I, and I, I want to kind of dip into while, I, while I've got you with me really, in, in terms of assessment, and uh, I know we've been talking about kind of low stakes and, and high stakes there, but what, what fascinates me is that, uh, again, lots of us, uh, when we come into teacher training, don't really get any high quality training on, 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 on assessments, you know, and actually we kind of write our own assessments, we're not sure how, how valid and reliable they are and all that kind of stuff, so how do you ensure then from, from your classroom practice or from your kind of head of department, head of faculty point of view, that any assessments that you conduct in your class are valid and reliable? I think that's that's like the, one of the hardest questions <laughs> Sorry. in education, to be honest. Um, but I think the key is to, to see that assessment is any assessment we do in school, whether that's asking a, quest, a series of questions of a class or kind of an end of unit kind of assessment, um, any assessment is a, is a kind of mini piece of research mm-hmm. about some invisible learning that's gone on over either five minute, the last five minutes of my lesson or the last six months of this student's um, education. It's a, it's a mini piece of research into that. Um, and so the key to making it valid and reliable is finding out, is working out exactly what you want to find out mm-hmm. um, and then thinking about what kind of other variables might affect it. So I'm not a scientist, but I think when you're looking for kind of valid and reliable results in a piece of research, what you really want to do is kind of reduce the variables as much as possible yep. so you can work out precisely how how the um, the outcome is affected by one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we should plan it like that. Um, so if we're going to do an assessment, uh, you need to start with what do you want to find out about? Mm-hmm. Um, what did then design a task that will really help to find out about that particular thing? And then really consciously think about what other variables might get in the way that actually are going to kind of obscure our view of that rather than helping to illuminate it. Um, and then, and this is another kind of killer question, how can we report that mm-hmm. either to the school or to parents or to students mm-hmm. in a way that's kind of as faithful as possible to what's to what's actually happened? So just to use a history example, if, if I'm teaching Year 8 and I want to know how much they know about the Industrial Revolution, is getting them to write an essay on the Industrial Revolution always the best thing to find out about because if I want to know how much they know about it I might actually be better asking them a 20 question mm-hmm. quiz because mm-hmm. um, as soon as they write an essay there's all kinds of other variables about spelling and grammar and vocabulary and paragraph structure and there's all kinds of other variables going on there so we might actually set a task that kind of strips away some of those variables for the time being um, while we kind mm-hmm. of check what they know about the industrial revolution and then find other ways of assessing those things if it's important that they can structure a paragraph mm-hmm. in history let's set them a task that kind of as closely as possible just checks that um, mm-hmm. or kind of we do the kind of knowledge bit and then we have a go right let's put this into a paragraph now so we can mm-hmm. kind of see how those different variables are working for those students because um, 
hopefully that way, then every assessment we do kind of illuminates something. It shows us more. It kind of gives us the results of the research that we want, really, rather than what I think happens um, too often, and I've been guilty of it for, for a long, long time, of setting kind of big assessment tasks often, that actually there are so many variables going on that if you know I set them an essay question and a student might write four lines and I've then got to work out was that to do with motivation was yeah. it to do with literacy so efforts yeah. so long to spell the words right yeah. that that's all they've got to do was it that they didn't know anything about the industrial revolution and basically I'm none the wiser at the end yeah. of that of kind of a lesson of assessment time uh, two hours of me marking the assessments and I still basically don't really know any more than I did before we started. And I think that, that's fascinating for people to, to that, that are listening to hopefully think about how often do they spend that much time before an assessment thinking about the planning of like you said actually A, what do we actually want to find out? I mean that's a big question in itself. You know, yeah. what is it that we want to find out specifically? Then how are we going to plan and design a task that actually finds out what I want to find out rather than other things? And then lastly which is so difficult, I know, and you know, but those variables, you know, how can you take out as many of the things so you can really home in on this task has purely, you know, found out this, or like you say, if there's so many of the variables, then, you know, if I'm a lazy boy, I can't be bothered to write, I might know it, but actually it's the essay that's put me off, or there's a, there's a complex word in the question that's thrown me, or, you know, all those types of things. So, yeah, I think that's really interesting for people to really think about and take time to think about the next assessment that they are about to plan or about to set, should I say, then start thinking about their planning and actually go through that three-stage process um, beforehand, I think is really, really useful. Um, and like you, you know, I've committed all those teacher crimes in, 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 in my previous kind of teaching in terms of, oh, we, you know, we, 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 I want to just set a task, so I just literally write out a, a, an essay kind of question or loads of, you know, uh, and, and, you know questions, 10 questions, et cetera, et cetera. And I haven't really thought about those three stages and I think that's really important for us all to do. And you know, if you're a head of department or a head of faculty or a senior leader, how can you make sure you quality control that as well? Yeah. That actually you haven't just got four people in a department doing different things and then we compare the results. Yeah. From, from, and we've got four different ways of assessment and then we go, oh, that, that student's done better than that. Well, actually, they haven't done the same assessment. Yeah. You know, so I think there's, there's a lot to be said there. Yeah. Right, well, that's it. That's been a fantastic kind of 25 minutes and uh, really hopefully, it's certainly really thought-provoking for me listening to it and discussing it with you, which I always really enjoy. And hopefully with people listening, wherever they're listening, um, that they, they've had some real kind of reflection time, some light bulb moments uh, for A, low stakes quizzing, raising the stakes, but also you know, how they kind of assess as well. So it's been, it's been a fantastic to, to speak to you this afternoon. And, and I know that uh, you know, if anybody's listening and they want to find out any more uh, for us to, you know, for, to, to contact you here if they want to, uh, or to contact me and I can put them in touch with you if, they, if they're from outside of the school, because I know there's people outside of the trust listening as well. Um, and um, yeah, just think about all those things we talked about, low stakes, high stakes, uh, assessments, planning, all that type of stuff. And uh, you know, let's just get it right in the classroom. So it's been a pleasure speaking to you this afternoon. Really appreciate it. Thank you, John. Thanks for listening to the ALT Learn Podcast. We'll be back soon with another episode where we'll be speaking to more of our teachers and finding out how they're turning theory into practice. Until then, take care.